I'm not someone who normally operates based on like a quick gut feel. And so I had been thinking about this for quite some time, but every part of my body said, this is not the right thing for me to do. And the next morning I called my boss and I told her I've decided to resign. They couldn't have been nicer. The people said, well, why don't you take a few months off, make sure this is really what you want to do. And I was like, a little bit of me was like, damn, like I just made this big decision. And now you're like, hey, oh, why don't you think about this some, you know, some more? From magic to matchbox to mobile dog grooming, Amy Peller has parlayed her business strategy career into a life built around where she finds the most joy. Find out how sometimes teaching a dog new tricks doesn't require one to forget the old ones on today's Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. I'm here today with Amy Peller, and we're going to talk about the magic that happens when you put joy together with all of the things that you've learned and think are really neat. And so I'm so excited to have you here, Amy. Thank you, Leslie. I'm excited to be here with you. I should say, Amy was my first Roads Taken interview. She was so kind to be my proof of concept to see if this would work. And then we decided to hold it because she was on the cusp of starting a business. And we're going to talk about that today. But since then, I have this patter and we begin... I think I did ask you these questions. When you were in college, who were you, Amy? And when we were getting ready to leave, who did you think you'd become? Okay. So I think when I went to Dartmouth, I was a pretty bright eyed and bushy tailed about excited to be, to be at college. I was excited largely to explore, to explore classes and extracurricular clubs and just to learn all kind of all sorts of new stuff and meet new types of people, and so everything was you know very new. Um, I was amazed by the role that students had in running different parts of, of the school and and kind of the ownership they took, um, and so that was all exciting. But I was also a bit nervous about embarking into the world of becoming um, a grown up and making a lot more choices on my own. Unlike probably some people at Dartmouth, I didn't have a passion for you know, one specific area as much as I did for just exploring lots of stuff. And so the liberal arts aspect of, of Dartmouth was, you know, an awesome fit for me. You know, at times, it was also a struggle, you know, being there. I took really, really tough classes freshman year. I think it was like Japanese, an introduction to Russian literature, and uh, what, was it? What, was the, what was the third one? It was... Um, Oh, some crazy math class that was like the continuation of AP calculus. I wasn't sure <laughs> if I was going to even survive the first term. Um, I ended up getting mono, um, which was really, really hard. And, you know, I was running like 104 fever. Um, and I, I genuinely wasn't sure that I was going to make it through the first term. But professors were really kind. I got extensions on a number of classes. At one point, I think campus police uh, was even driving me to my classes because I just didn't have the energy to walk after I was recovering. So, you know, I think, you know, Dartmouth is the type of place where you look around, everybody seems really exuberant, really happy. And that, you know, pretty quickly into the first term, that was, wasn't my experience. So I, I you know, I, I, struck, I struggled with that. Um, you know, I think I also looked around at times and thought, gosh, everybody else seems to have everything figured out. You know, why, why don't I? Um, and so that was tough at times as well. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I love the liberal arts education. I, I majored in economics, largely because I saw it as a pathway to a career in business, which was an area, you know, I thought interested me, but just loved all the other stuff too. I mean, minored in art history and studied religion and literature and 
you know, love connecting with this, a very broad range of people, much broader than I previously uh, had ever met in my prior life. So that's kind of when I think, you know, kind of coming in, kind of how I was thinking about things. When I was getting ready to leave, who did I think I, I'd become? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I knew, you know, I, didn't, I don't know that I had a, a clear and precise vision. I did do a bunch of internships while we were at Dartmouth. So I worked in a law firm and learned pretty quickly that I wasn't going to become a lawyer. Um, I worked in the back office of a financial services firm and learned pretty quickly that, that that wasn't for me. I did work in an advertising agency for an internship our junior summer and, and kind of really liked that um, and liked thinking about brands and about how people made decisions about brands and how a company could um, you know, affect that process. And so I think this kind of reinforced to me that there, you know, I was interested in business, that there was something in the marketing world you know, that also was of, of interest to me. Um, and so that was kind of something I tucked away, um, you know, in, in, in my head, but I, I, I like business. I like analyzing businesses, thinking about businesses, talking about businesses. And so, uh, you know, after Dartmouth, you know, it seemed like I would just go, wanted to go and pursue the liberal arts education of business, which uh, seemed to be strategy consulting. And so that's what I, that's what I did. I, I, uh, I joined a, a strategy consulting group within uh, Anderson Consulting, now Accenture. Um, and just kind of continue to learn about kind of broad-based business. Um, I definitely worked my butt off a lot of late nights, um, and it wasn't always easy, but I learned a lot. The people that I worked with there were like, amazing coaches and mentors, and, you know, I admired them. And, and uh, you know, I think that, that that probably had a big impact on some of the kind of future choices that I that I took. Yeah. So you've, you're steeped in this consulting tradition, and... And I don't think you're doing a lot of marketing, but you are working with with companies and brands and things. And so how is it that you're you find your pathway from kind of the, the business operations to marketing? Um, so actually, I mean, I was really fortunate in that the company that I was working for straight out of Dartmouth, they actually sponsored me to go back to business school, which, which was wonderful. And, and and all these people that I saw around me, they had all gone to business school. And I thought, oh, like they seem to have a really cool body of knowledge and seem really effective. So I decided to go and do that with the expectation I was going to go and return um, to, uh, to Anderson Consulting afterwards. But I graduated business school in 2001 and there was this like crazy downturn in the economy. And I think I, you know, I just went on a couple months, right after graduating, I went on a couple months trip around the world, all excited to come in and be a you know strategy consultant post MBA. And I think it was that, you know, that September before 9-11, but that September that I got a call from, um, from the HR folks. And they were like, oh, you, you think you're starting in October? Um, you're just kidding. Um, we're deferring your start date by about you know eight months. And there's no real guarantee that we'll be able to bring you on because we're laying off, you know, tens of thousands of people. And so, you know, it was at that point that I was like, oh, well, you know, I think I, 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 I mean, I was excited to start working. And, yeah. um, and I, I just didn't want to kind of wait for something that may or may not happen. So at that point, kind of used it as a chance to go and <clears throat> pursue uh some other interests, which, you know, I do did know I was interested in marketing. And so I started talking with companies where I could work in a marketing role. And that was kind of when I made, um, when I made that, that, uh, that, that change. Um, I, I uh, ultimately, I mean, I did a few th other things. I was originally thinking I was going to do consulting in the retail space. And I was like, there was one problem. I never actually worked in a retailer. And, I was, and while I was toying around with that, I was like, you know, I should go get a job like working in a retailer. So I got a job at a toy store and I just you know, was working on the floor for like, you know, $10 an hour or $12 an hour. You know, and, and uh, it was great. Actually, it was great. I learned a ton. Um, but it was also around that time that I interviewed with Mattel 
for a marketing job. I was kind of interested in the toy business. Um, and uh, they uh, ultimately made me an offer, and I, I joined them in, in March of, you know, March or April um, of that year for a job focused on marketing on the Matchbox brand and a new line of water guns. And that was kind of my introduction to the, to the, to the marketing world. Yeah, I remember um, running into you at that point and your business card was so cool. It's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> no one, like it was very fun and Mattel and these iconic brands. So talk to me about kind of the evolution of your coming to understand what brand management was either through that job or uh, the next few. Yeah, I mean, I was there about two and a half years when I was working in a satellite office that Mattel had in Southern Jersey. Um, and the company was headquartered down in California. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, it was it was a really great learning experience because a lot of my job was working with our international markets and helping to ensure that we were representing their best interests in the, in the products that we brought to market. And so, you know, there are worse jobs in you know, traveling the world, you know, talking about toys and visiting toy stores and talking with all our international subsidiaries. So that was, I thought, really, you know, really great and kind of seeing what it took to kind of bring an actual product to market because I, I had been before been on the consulting side and everything was a bit more, I mean, it, it wasn't that I didn't have any appreciation, but it was a bit more academic. And I don't know that I totally understood like all the kind of political factors also that come into play in an organization to actually make stuff happen, you know, and beyond kind of what should happen, but how things actually happen and all the challenges. And so for me, this was a great, uh, um, course on, uh, on, on new product development and on starting to understand consumers. And I was like, yeah, I really like this. Um, but I did, uh, I think I, that was when I first experienced my second layoff, <laughs> which was Mattel decided to close the office where I was working in uh, Southern Jersey, move it out to California. I didn't want to make that switch. And so I was like, you know, but I do like this marketing thing. And so I started talking with companies that, you know, where, where I could kind of uh, move forward in that direction. And, you know, for me, what I realized working at Mattel, um, it, you know, at times, you know, at, you know, was that culture is really, really, company culture is really important to me. And I wanted to really be in a culture that uh, was really consistent uh, with, uh, with, my, with my values. And, and so as I talked to new companies, that was something I thought about and ultimately decided to join an organization called Wyeth Consumer Healthcare, a drug company. They own brands like Centrum and Advil and Robitussin and Chapstick um, in a brand management kind of uh, role. Now, it, interestingly, I mean, I, when I was in business school, I had worked in a startup uh, uh, for an internship. And I really loved that. And I just, I wasn't really ready to go join a small company. I, I think it probably, you know, the risk or the fear or what have you. I just, I, I really loved it. I loved the excitement about that and feeling like we were building something from the ground up. It left a marker in my mind, but I just wasn't really ready to do that. And so it kind of stayed in the big, the big company world. And I uh, joined uh, Wyeth, uh, where I worked a bunch of areas in marketing and brand management and innovation and strategy, uh, and I spent about uh, about the next uh, 11 years there until they went through a restructuring, <laughs> and, and my job was eliminated. But uh, at that time, it kind of felt like the right thing, to be honest, and uh, people told me I looked like the happiest laid-off person uh, <laughs> because it was, it, was, it was just like I was ready to make a change. Um, and so at that point, you know, that's when I started thinking again about the entrepreneurial stuff, and and it's, I guess it was like 2015, um, and I started started kind of started thinking about that again. Yeah, and yet when you're thinking about entrepreneurialism, you're still 
kind of thinking companies are really interesting and I like being in them. So how did you navigate yet again? I feel like you're so good at taking these, what other people would say is like, oh my gosh, I've, I've been laid off and I'm so scared. Now you're just like, okay, how am I going to use this opportunity? So what did you do? Uh, well, I mean, you? severance is like the best time in the world <laughs> to explore anything. So, I mean, I also felt lucky, you know, lucky about that, but I had some ideas because I, I'd often find myself like just, you know, anytime with experiences in my life, I'd be like, oh, wait, this should be a different type of company. Um, and, and you know, some, we could do something differently or better, you know. And, and so I was like, you know, I'd often find myself talking to small business owners about their businesses. And I was just like, gosh, this would be really cool if I could do something like this myself. And at that time, I thought about actually starting a, a company in the caregiving space based on some, own, some of the challenges I had had finding um, kind of great caregivers uh, for, for my mom. Um, and I, I, I kind of played around with that for probably about you know, four or six months and then kind of ultimately decided that I, I didn't see a good way to make the business model that I was thinking about really work um, effectively. And, uh, and so I was like, well, I do need to, you know, I do need to work and, and find a job. And, and so I started looking again. And, and, and actually, as much as I loved kind of being inside of a company, I, I was kind of open to do I go back to consulting do I continue kind of in the marketing world? And I was really, I came across a small consulting firm that had about 150 people at the time. And they, they are actually helping other companies um, become better marketers, either building skills or thinking about their organizational structure or putting in place processes, things like that. I thought this was kind of interesting. I love the people at this, at this company. Um, it had a bit of an entrepreneurial feel to it because it was a much smaller company. Um, and, and it just, it just felt right. I mean, from a culture perspective, it was awesome. Um, and so I, I made the decision to uh, ultimately to, to join them and to spend about about uh, two years uh, you know, with them. In that time, they were actually acquired by Accenture, which is where I started my career. So, you know, like 20 years has had passed and I'm, <laughs> I'm back in the same place I was, you know, straight out of Dartmouth. Oh, crazy. But I think, you know, it also kind of came to a realization that I really liked the people I was working with, I had good clients, but I just, I, I wasn't passionate enough to be working as hard as I was. And that was the only way that I knew that I could do this job. It's particularly a job in client service. And, you know, one day I came back from a business trip, um, I was in Ohio, and I just, I had this realization, this isn't what I want to be doing anymore. And you know, I'm not someone who normally operates based on like a quick gut feel. And so, like I say, I had been thinking about this for quite some time, but you know, I just, some, every part of my body said, this is not the right thing for me to be doing. And the next morning I called my boss and I told her, um, I've decided to resign and, and they were shocked and they thought we were in a really happy marriage. And I just came in one day and said, I wanted a divorce because I, I, mean, I felt valued and, and in a lot of ways, a good, a good, good gig. And they couldn't have been nicer. The people said, well, why don't you take you know, why don't you take a few months off, make sure this is really what you want to do. And I was like, a little bit of me was like, damn, like I just made this big decision. And now right. you're like, hey, oh, why don't you think about this some, you know, some more? Right. Um, but I did. And I'm glad because I, I think I knew I wanted to do something different, but I wasn't sure what that thing was. And it was actually in those two months um, that I took, um, that I took off where I kind of figured that, figured that out. Um, I actually hired a professional coach in that time period. And and that individual was really helpful for me to work with to help me get back in touch with some of the passions that I had and some of the things that really excited me. And then also, I think, have the courage to go and pursue them. And, 
and that was kind of what led me into uh, starting to build a mobile dog grooming company. I know. And I remember I so wanted that story to be. And then I became a magician because I remember oh, you, right. Amy, like in the Lone Pine Tavern, you had been the one that hired all of like the fun novelty acts like right. to come through the programming board. But then you did a little magic act once. And so I was like, so hoping. Yeah. If it wasn't this, it would have been street performing magician, a street, <laughs> becoming a street performing magician for sure. Because what what better, if not a magician, than a mobile dog groomer? So <laughs> I just love this story because it really is like, okay, I've learned how business works. I've learned how to build a brand. I've learned how to la- help companies launch things. And now I have to find the thing that brings passion and joy to me. So before you talk about your business, talk about your dog. So I have a seven-year-old Australian Labradoodle named Benny Hama. And he goes by Benny mostly. Um, And But but he's like a male model. He's a little famous. Yeah. He's a little, little, he's a little famous. He, he, um, I mean, it wasn't something we set out to do, but he's got an awesome demeanor. He's done a little bit of modeling work. He was on the cover of Banana Republic catalog. He was in a another uh, clothing retailer called Soft Surroundings. Um, but I think the kind of the, the best is they, the New York Times did an article on dog modeling and, and he, was, he was kind of like the feature. So I got into the New York Times entrepreneurship section because of Benny. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I, mean, I get to do, that, do get to tell people I live with a male model. And, but yeah, so he, you know, I, I got Benny seven years, you know, just under seven years ago. And I'd always wanted a dog my whole life. And I was like, finally, like, what am I waiting for? You know, like, am I waiting to have like everything else in my life be 100% perfect before I go get this dog that I want? And I was like, one, it was like one day I was like, no, I need to do this now. And then I made this decision and he really changed my life. Like, I I mean, you know, I lived in Hoboken for probably like maybe nine years before that. And, And now all of a sudden I had Benny and I'm meeting all new people and meeting other dogs and I'm outside more. And you know, and I just love him so much. And so I just became really passionate about everything in the dog world. And so when I started thinking about, you know, what type of you know, business am I interested in? What type of business could I potentially build? I wanted to do something that I was passionate about. And I wanted to do something where I saw big growth potential and also where I thought that the skills I had could add something unique. And so very quickly started to think about, you know, all things dog, the pet services space, and then very fortuitously had met up with a friend of mine who was who was visiting from California and she told me that her ex-husband was running a mobile dog grooming company. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And it kind of got me kind of thinking about my experiences with Benny, getting him groomed. It's always been a real challenge um, to find the right groomer. And then, I, then once I found an awesome groomer, I couldn't recommend them because they weren't taking new clients. And I just felt like the dog grooming world wasn't operating in a way of delivering an awesome customer experience. And what if we could really you know, do that and build a very different type of company. And that was, you know, that was um, kind of a decision. I, I kind of, thought, I mean, I really analyzed it and, and did a lot of research because even though I guess I'm an entrepreneur, I, I'm not that risk loving. So, you know, I, you know, I dotted a lot of I's and crossed a lot of T's before deciding to go forward with this. Um, and, uh, and then uh, back in, um, in 2019, made the decision to, to, uh, to move forward. Um, and started a, started a company, uh, which we launched in June of this year, called uh, Wagon Shine Mobile Grooming. And our whole mission is about making grooming happy, happy for the dogs and, and for the people. Yeah. 
And so you you told me before that you did a lot of research, both um, kind of everything dog and pet to kind of getting the right truck, right? Like this is this is not a easy like let's make a widget. This is there's a lot going in and and the HR piece, which seems to be really the the crux. They need a great groomer. So talk to me about all the things that you had to yeah. think about to build this business. Yeah, I mean, there was the biggest challenge that I had about after I decided I wanted to build the dog grooming company was that other than bringing my dog to the groomer, I really didn't know anything about dog grooming. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I really need to learn about dog grooming. And so, I mean, I I interviewed probably hundreds of people from people who were you know, bathers, dog bathers, to people who were leading, you know, leading some of the, the companies in, in, the, in the space. I went to trade shows. I signed up to go to dog grooming school myself for three or four months, which was awesome. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a good dog groomer, but I, I, I felt like I got like the basic learning to, to understand how hard it is. And that gave me a much bigger appreciation of, of, of the industry. It also gave me a herniated disc and a frozen, and a frozen shoulder, oh, but, no. uh, <laughs> which said to me, I should stick to the stuff, you know, like the, and have a really good worker's workers comp thing <laughs> exactly and find the best the best people um so i, I mean i really kind of immersed myself in the industry um uh, you know and i started meeting lots of people who are now you know are now friends of mine in, in many cases um but i uh yeah so i so i just re- i really i really immersed i really immersed myself i mean i had to do a ton of research about you know about well why are why are dog groomers not happy where they currently work if I am going to build a mobile dog grooming company, what are the best areas, geographic areas to go into? Um, I'm probably the only dog groomer that's looked at, you know, pet spending indices to decide, you know, to help to help decide um, kind of where we're going to where we're going to launch. And we ultimately launched in, in um, a couple of affluent uh, towns in uh, in New Jersey and like the Morris and Essex uh, County area. Had to learn about the vans and a couple of different options and, and you know while I had worked on matchbox cars that was very different than, <laughs> you know, than, than purchasing a hundred thousand dollar vehicle right. um, so so you know I, I you know those are the types of things I, w- I was looking into um, regulatory considerations I mean I'd worked in a drug company for you know 11 years and so you know kind of questions around risk and regulation and compliance I mean these were all mm-hmm. things that also were you know on my mind. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of research, um, but you know, I, I also kind of once I kind of got to the place where I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm doing this. Um, you know, not that everything always went smoothly, but I, in, in many cases, I found that kind of some of those things kind of just sort sorted themselves out. Yeah. So with all of that preparation, what has been one of the big surprises for you as to whether it's leading the business or some quirk of the business? What's been a surprise since since launch? I think in some ways I knew this, but in some ways it's it's just been a surprise. It's been super fulfilling to um, kind of have something that was an idea, kind of like a thought, and actually now have it be like a real business that's existing in real communities that you know people in their Facebook groups are are talking about, and 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 the role that we play in the lives of our clients has has been awesome. Like just in terms of just how like how much they really, in many cases, love us. Um, and, and that's been really, really cool um, in terms of building a, a, a brand. And, you know, we're only in a couple of towns right now, but kind of seeing the role we play in, in our clients' lives and, and the meaning we have for them, that's been, I think, really, you know, positively 
surprising. On the on the on the less positive side, I think a surprise for me. I, I knew it would be hard to find the right stylist. There's I mean, you wouldn't know this unless you were in the dog grooming business, but there's this crazy shortage of dog groomers. Oh. But we have a really different type of company with a great compensation plan and a really good culture. And I thought, okay, sure, like we're gonna be able to find like great groomers. And I our the first hire I made is amazing. Um, um, and we've just actually just hired our second person who I'm super excited about. Um, but it's been, it's been even a lot harder than I even anticipated, um, to, to, to find those people. And I expect that that will continue to be something that, um, remains a top priority for me, just finding the, the, you know, the, 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 the best people. Yeah. I think those are, those are a couple of things that, uh, that, that come to mind. Yeah. And I guess along with the building community and seeing the fruits of your labor actually change people's lives, has it given you a different perspective of like, you know, your relationship with Benny or something about the the dog space? So, I mean, so Benny is our company's chief happiness officer. So he has, he has a very significant, you know, a significant role um, in, in the business. I think I've, I think I learned that the way that I used to groom Benny um, which was like I'd wait for him to kind of be a disaster until <laughs> until I, I got him groomed is like every groomer's like worst nightmare. It's been it's been very good actually. I have a lot more flexibility um, in my life, so I could be actually with him quite a bit quite a bit more. Um, you know when you know, I'm, I'm kind of always on call in a lot of ways as as somebody who's running a business. Um, but I also have a lot of flexibility in my day to day life. So to take him out for um, you know, a walk and a nice day. Like, I, I feel like I can make those choices. And so I think from, that's actually probably been really good for our, our relationship too. That's great. Looking back at that Amy that was getting ready to leave college, um, what would either you tell her that would have made some sort of difference in your life? Or what do you think she would say about you now or both? Looking back, I think I would tell that Amy, to take the time to really ask herself, like, what, what does she want to do versus maybe what does she just sometimes think that she should do? Um, you know, and I think some of the soul searching that I've maybe done a little bit later on, um, it could have been valuable to, you know, to have done even, even sooner. So I think kind of taking that time to really kind of step back and be like, what really brings you joy what really could make you happy and kind of almost disconnecting that from kind of what is your image of what should bring you joy um that's something i i, I think i could have uh, uh that, that i would have told her um and if i think about you know like you know what that amy might have thought of you know amy fast forward 25 years later uh this is such a weird <laughs> such a weird construct um you know she might have been a little bit disappointed that i didn't become a street performing magician <laughs> but i think she would have been very ex- enthusiastic um and i always loved dogs and to kind of find a way to combine love of business with love of dog um with a love of building you know teams and kind of something new um I, th- I think uh, I think she would have been uh, I think I think she would have been you know yeah very happy about about that for sure. Yeah, well, there's still time, Amy, and I think Benny would Benny would be a good draw to your street corners. Well, it seems like you're happy in this, knowing all the challenges and knowing that it's it is it's a it's a tough road that you've chosen, but one that is definitely imbued with joy. And I'm 
so thrilled about this and we can't wait to kind of see the empire grow if that's what your plan is um, or just to to watch you grow it has been a lot a, a lot of it is a lot of fun it's been a lot of hard work and uh, I'm, I'm curious as well <laughs> to find that out <laughs> that was amy peller owner and founder of the mobile dog grooming company wag and shine Find her and her grooming friends at Wag and Shine, W-A-G-A-N-D-S-H-I-N-E dot com. And find me, Leslie Jennings Rowley, with another friend, well-groomed or not, on the next episode of Roads Taken.